This is the Courtside Connect, your go-to podcast for all things Kentucky basketball and Kentucky basketball's quickest game review podcast. Finally back to the same day uh, reaction review, Scott. Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I had a fun one today. It's been a while since we've had a win like that at Rupp where like the crowd was out loud and everything. Um, yeah, it was just a good time. So, And I'm glad that we're doing this on the same day. It feels feels like, I don't know, like a little, little good little memories and Hopefully we get to do this from now on where it's same day stuff. Cause I know you guys look for UK content after a big win. Yeah. And th- that's why we did it the same day for that reason. But uh, we're back. We're going to try our biggity bestest to do it. Um, But yeah, it, I'm, I'm doing pretty good over here. Celebrating the win with my uh, good friend, Elijah Craig and uh, girlfriend, Christina in the background, love a good live audience, but um, cats by nine tonight um 76 to 67 the biggest thing that stood out for me to this game is every other game this year that Kaysen doesn't shoot well and or CJ doesn't shoot well neither of them did how do those games end usually with us scoring like 50 something points and losing by 15 20 points um Cat still got in the 70s today we got to 76 and we won steadily by nine it was really close but we pulled away late that that's good to see and, like, it, it's not good to see Kaysen struggle because if he is going to be our PG1 moving forward, we can't have him shoot one of seven on three. We can't have him have five turnovers to four assists. Um, and CJ Frederick, if people are going to be triple teaming Oscar in the post, we can't have our best three-point shooter shooting two of ten from three and three of 12 from the field. Um, but it's nice to know that there are other routes for us to win. We saw at... Tennessee or at Georgia we won by um going through Kaysen late and then here we didn't really have Kaysen as that much of an offensive lineup and we found ways to get Toppin going we found ways to get um like Reeves going so th- that was that was good to see overall what were your big takeaways from this game like you said um well first and foremost shout out Antonio Reeves Woo. good Chicago man Rollbirds, Illinois State legend absolutely great performance and i you and i were kind of talking i told i was telling people like it's amazing what he can do when he's allowed to do the things that he does really well prior up to like the past two games i'd say like the tennessee game he's just been like a catch and shoot like guy and he hasn't been great i mean he was shooting 40 percent, which is still good but like you could tell that he wasn't really fitting in well with the offense but lately he's been able to cut out his own shots and great for himself and like that's what he was so elite at illinois state that's what he's elite at nationally and we're seeing that like every time i see antonio reeves catch the ball it's like okay just like clear out because like i he he does such a good job of creating of making himself open and then he's doing a really good job of converting those chances but on top of reeves i thought like everyone for the most part stepped up like oscar was out for most of that game and or at least practically the whole first half like, we did that without Oscar, practically. And he still had how many rebounds? 17. 17. Yeah. But <laughs> as I was saying, like, that was just a good team win. I think a lot of people contributed. Like, Toppin was 7 for 12. Um, 
17 points. That was really good. Uh, Mason didn't shoot well, but he played great defense. Wheeler came in, was a great spark plug. Lance Ware did lots of things well. Yeah, we'll get into Wheeler later um, because I do want to touch up on that. But, like, like, Kaysen, like, he he did a good job of holding down Radford for the most part. Radford did get 22 points and Kaysen did struggle, but he did some small things that were good. And like overall, like we battled a, a wild physical game from the refs and, and we did a lot of things. Well, we outshot them 67 to 49 in terms of like shot attempts. That, that That's yeah. pretty, that's really good. That's a testament to how good our rebounding was. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was just really good. So, I mean, and, and A&M's a good team, too. They're 5-0. and They're Buzz Williams I hate facing against because, once again, he set up a really good defensive game plan, trapping everything. It causes problems. Um, so just anytime you get to be A&M and Buzz, I'm, I'm all for it. Wasn't A&M, like, known for being a really good offensive rebounding team? Uh, I don't know, but, I mean, knowing Buzz Williams teams, yeah. I, I, I thought I saw, I think it was a Brandon Ramsey tweet. Um, He said a lot of – AM's offense comes from free throws, which we saw tonight, and offensive rebounds, which are not very sustainable. It was not sustainable tonight. We held one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the country just to four tonight. And for um reference, we had 17. But um, like you said, great team win. A lot of people contributed in different ways. And even like, excuse me, even Kaysen and CJ who struggled to shoot shoot, like CJ had big threes when it mattered, you know, mm-hmm. like Callie says you, you don't have to make them all, but you can't miss them all either. And he didn't miss them all. He hit, hit ones that mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaysen got going late. He knocked down both free throws to seal the game. We've saw that free throws were a problem with him before. Knocks them both down today. Um, hit, hit got a. I think there was another time we were only up four, and he like drove, and then uh got like a mismatch and had like a reverse layup to go like up six or something late in the game. We needed that. Just. Great all-around team effort. Like I said, Lance Ware came in and I don't think scored. I don't know if he even had a shot attempt. Uh, he had one that, like, shot attempt. Yeah, and then he had that one like dunk, that breakaway dunk um, that was a foul. But he rebounded. He shot down Coleman. Um, like I don't think Coleman and Marvel scored on him maybe once. Uh, Henry Coleman had five turnovers today and only 10 points. So yeah. that's really good. It's kind of crazy. We were talking about A&M, like watching them warm up, and I was like, wow, I didn't – like." Coleman came from Duke. Marble came from Michigan State. Like Radford's a dog. Like this is a solid team. Like this yeah, is a team. Talented. Yeah, they like they made that run in the SEC tournament last year. They were five and zero. Oh. This is a win that, like I said, like a month ago, if Casey doesn't shoot well and CJ doesn't shoot well, we just lose. We just roll over and we lose. But we have different options. It shows that we're growing as a team, and it shows that even when we don't make our wide open threes, we can still put up a lot of points and we can still go grind out wins, and that's great. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's just kind of a testament to the mentality that these guys are having now. I mean, um, you know, you you hear Cal talk about how, like, he's taking the phones away from players and, uh, you know, it's getting them more ready. And, and it, guys just seem more relaxed in these situations. And I guess just overall, which is good. I mean, they've had a lot of shit thrown their way in terms of fans, including myself. Like, I have been very vocal about the team. Which we honestly, I, I mean, we, we can be. You don't know why? Because they weren't playing good. And I mean, that's just how it is. But the fact that they've rebounded this well and, and showed that they are tough and that I feel like we are seeing the team that we were kind of promised mm-hmm. or thought that we would be. 
We're still not at that point yet. We still, I, I mean, we could have, we should have won this game by 20, if I'm being brutally honest. With, yeah. Like, we should have shot better with how many open looks we got. Um, but just to see these guys grit out a game like this against a coach and a team that's known for gritting games out, it, it's awesome. Like, this is stuff that will help us in March. This will, this will be stuff that will help us later down the year, SEC tournament. It's just, it's good to see. And I kind of told you, like, that I was really excited to go to this game. Like, I haven't felt this way since last year. Last year, I'd go to the games, or every I'd wake up on game day and be like, F, yeah, I'm going to rub. Like, this is going to be sick. And this year, it's kind of been like, damn, do I really want to go to this game? Like, it, it might just be a, a shit show. And to see that these guys are now becoming one cohesive unit and seeing lineups kind of form together and seeing things start to mesh. Like, there was one play in the first half where – like Cal, of course, for some odd reason, didn't start the the basketball Benny's lineup, and then he puts him in, and I think someone passes it to Toppin, or he passed. Shit, I forgot how it went. Oh yeah, so Reeves was in the left corner. Someone passed it to Reeves. Reeves drives immediately, kicks it to Toppin for a layup, and it was like boom, boom, boom. Like it looked like rehearsed almost. It's like they're now yeah. getting that cohesion, and that's that's what I love about college basketball is is, is stuff like this to see a bunch of group of guys who some have played with each other, some haven't, be, come together and kind of show what they're made of. It's just been – it's really fun right now to be a Kentucky fan. Yeah, and you you talked about, like, the excitement for the game. We weren't the only ones. Um, no, it was so out the door, I, practically. Th- th- this is going to be me trying to describe something through a podcast um, visually, um, and <laughs> it's going to come out really bad. But just, just, so, just so picture, like, they let us inside Rupp Arena like an hour before, like – they open up gates so they don't have like kids waiting out in the cold and stuff. And then there's two lines that form and there's probably, I don't know, what do you want to say? Like two blocks, like a block and a half maybe from the start of the door or the start of the line to like the doors. Yeah. You have to walk in like a few hundred feet before you get to the start of the line. Yeah, it's a good solid way. And they had, um, they have an eruption zone line, which is the standing student section that's like behind the hoop. And then they have like the sideline with like the seated, student section reserve seating um both student sections started and then went back those hundreds of feet deep all the way like almost out the doors they like had to like almost snake and like start coming back because that's how many students were in line for the game scott there's times where we're in lines for the game and like the gates open and there's like five other people there yeah like the south carolina game or well someone like the i don't know like florida a&m games you know but the, the, it was an exciting game. And not only that, but like I was talking with uh, Jordan Mathis after the game, a uh, friend over at catscoverage.com, one of our football guys, go check out his work, of course. But he was saying like, yeah, when he was trying to get in the game, like the non-student line, like you you need to be in line to be a student because it's first come, first serve. But like, even the people that have like reserved tickets were just dying to get in the Rupp. The line to get in the Rupp went around Rupp Arena just for people who already have their tickets and like don't need to go fight for a seat like that. That was incredible. But um, you talked about it probably should have been a little more. I point that the two things, the first one was the offense looked great. Okay. Um, that lineup, the basketball bending lineup with case and CJ Reeves Toppin, and Oscar, it looked great and it generated great looks, but like I kind of said, CJ didn't make his wide open threes. Case didn't make his wide open threes that, I think they combined for three of 17. It has kind of been a theme throughout the year and bigger games. Those two guys have been ones to have gone cold. It's not completely rare. So 
Um, that's a trend we would like to see get reversed because we probably went by 20. And the second thing I want to appoint, uh, like it just being a closer game to, we gave up a 14 to two run. And I am 90% sure that a large majority of the run took place with a lineup of Wheeler, CJ, Livingston, um, Lance, and Lance and Ugo. Yeah. Or Toppin yeah, yeah. and Ugo or something, something like that. But something disgusting that should never be ran ever again. Let's just it put should it that not be way. Because you're going to give up 14 to two runs every single time that you run it. So if you take that 14 to two run out, that's 12 points back in our favor. And let's just say Kaysen and CJ hit three more threes combined, which still I don't think gives them a great percentage. I think I said they shot three of 17 combined. So yeah, yeah. If they shoot six of 17 combined. That's a, making a little over a third because six of 18 would be a third of them. So that's nine points from three more threes and 12 points from the 14 to two run we gave up. That's 21 more points. We win this game by 30. If you just do that. So Kentucky's really, really, really close. And I'm glad Cal is figuring out the lineups, but we're not all the way there yet. And I'm glad Kaysen's taking a lot of step forward at point guard, but we're not all the way there yet either. Um, I'm just not too worried about CJ. He's a veteran. I think he'll turn it on and have like a random Kellen Grady February month. He's still shooting like 37% from three on the year, which is yeah above Tyler Hero, if that puts things into <laughs> like just think like thought for you. Um, you know, I I was baffled by two things that Cal did. A the starting lineup. You know that this lineup, this basketball Benny's lineup, is our best lineup. It's very well documented, and I think he definitely knows it. Why are you not running? Like, my dad texts me, and he goes, why does UK start slow in every game? And I'm like, well, because we're running bad lineups that don't need to be ran. You know what I mean? It's it's a silly. I think you'd want to get off to the best start that you can possibly, and I hope next game he does it because it's, it's late January. This is when you have, like, a we know that this is our starting lineup type thing. Um, and then the second thing I had an issue with was when Wheeler came in. Wheeler comes in. I think we score six straight points because he – Made the assist to Livingston, which was a nice – he went deep, kicked it out, Chris hit a three, and then Chris hit, like, a three the next possession. And um, so then, like, play stopped, and then he runs out that lineup that we just talked about, and it's like, dude, this is not going to work. Like, Severe Wheeler paired with one shooter and three forwards, what are you – it's like he fed him to the wolves. And I – idiots behind me in the U zone were like, yeah. fuck you, suck this is a, look at look at the score now and uh, speaking of idiots nick roush like he he said something like of the same effect it's like what do you expect the man to do i'm not even like being a, a severe wheeler like pp eater right now i'm just being like just like i just want people to like think like what is the man supposed to do you could put steve nash out there you could put john stockton out there you could put jason kidd out there and if you run him with cj frederick and three forwards who don't really have much ability offensively what do you think is going to happen it was just a dumb decision by Cal and I, I I don't know why he did it I don't think there was any need um but whatever Livingston only got 13 minutes which I'm looking at and that's kind of surprising like I feel like he should get way more run than that I, uh, I do I do want to talk about that but going, yeah, going we'll back get... to that first of all I'm a big fan well I, I I like Nick I'm a big fan of his work I listen to Kentucky Roll Tall Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Kentucky roll call every single day. Him and TJ do great work. I read his stuff at KSR. He does great stuff with 11 personnel and football work. Um, I, I don't understand why he made his tweet today. Like, we just won. You didn't you didn't need to go and start 
Wheeler drama because that's what annoys me. It was like Wheeler like why? came off the bench <laughs> and gave us like a 6-0 run because you created threes and then a lineup that had nothing to do with Wheeler was bad and then doesn't really matter. We go and win. I don't know like how after a basketball win uh, – your first thought is, oh, let's go I, talk I, about the most dramatic yeah. thing. But I'll, I don't know. It just, I'll listen, it does, I'll listen it to the Kentucky roll call and Nick can tell me why he meant to say that. But anyways, the people yeah. behind us um, that were saying, wow, Wheeler stinks, Wheeler that. Like, it, if you can't tell that literally any point guard in the country paired with like Ugo, Lance, and Chris, regardless of who your shooting guard is. It's not going to be good. It's it just, it just, it's not going to work. Um, I wish we did. I wish we gave Wheeler some, a little bit more favor. Like why not run the basketball Benny lineup with Wheeler? Like if Kaysen needed a break. I, it's our third best lineup on Evan me account. Like it's not as good as basketball Benny's, but it's like still one of our best lineups. And that's the thing that really also bothers me is we talked about it last episode. Severe Wheeler is our fourth best player according to Evan me and his formula, which is a good formula. Mm-hmm. Miyakawa does great formulas. He's a data sci- data scientist. He has a PhD and all that stuff. Very good. So Beer Wheeler is very impactful for this team. Um, and I the amount of people I've you know seen try to like sewer the kid is just absolutely ridiculous. And like I said, this isn't me pee pee eating. This is me just kind of just being like confused. Like why do we we did it the same with Keon Brooks? And Severe Wheeler is much better than Keon Brooks was. Mm-hmm. Why do we take players? And and like hound them, and then they run away, and they're like, "Why does no one want to come to Kentucky?" It, it it's it's silly to me. I, Severe Wheeler is a very important part of our team, and he should get more run with the shooters because he can obviously hit his shooters. He's one of the greatest passers of all time in the SEC, if not the greatest. Like he's a weapon that we can utilize whenever we want when the offense kind of goes stale. And this isn't a diss towards Case and Wallace, but. If Severe Wheeler has a stat line today, Matt, what do you think the reaction is? If he has... It's a case uh, in Wallace's Wallace stat line today. It probably not, but it's not even the stat line. If he... What was what was that pass where, like, it was, like, a four-point game and Kaysen brought it down and then, like, he kind of just passed it. Oh, no one was moving. Team. He just, like, threw it to Oscar and then the guy just, like, easily read it and went the other way in the second half, right? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. there was another play where, like, again, we watched the shot clock go down for 25 seconds, and then he tries to drive and tries to throw an oop to, like, Lance or something, and, like, Lance wasn't there. You um, if, if, <laughs> if, yeah, Salver made those two plays, it would not have been good. Like, if it was just, like, stall ball offense, stall ball offense, bad turnover, we would have crucified Salver. But that just proves that Salver's good at some things, Kaysen's good at some things, they're not they're different things and we could use them both but it really doesn't matter what either of them do if the offense doesn't go well and I think the offense does look better with Kaysen like you said that that is our best lineup but to think that Savir can't go out there and be productive is insane and to think that like just because someone has like a bad play or two that just attributes it like to oh they're just not playing good well look at the players around look what's happening is the offense just stall balling or is the player actually like it Anyways, I just hope that there's a point in the season where we can just go after a game and be like, wow, Kaysen, he had 11 points and four rebounds and four assists and two blocks and a steal and hit two game-clinching free throws, played great, the offense looked great, and Saver Wheeler came in, he was a spark plug, he got two assists, he played good defense as well, um, got got us a couple of three-pointers that got us going in the second half, and we can just appreciate both, and we don't have to have this stupid conversation that we have to have every single podcast, because there's people that just hate on both of them and have to complain about lineups regardless, but 
I don't know. I just hope we can yeah. get to that point. Yeah, it would just be nice. Like we have to have Severe Wheeler on your bench. You know how many teams would like to like have Severe Wheeler as their starting point guard? Like he was when he came out the portal, he is very well wanted. A lot of coaches speak highly of him. Like to have him on our bench is a great problem to have. And it's I want people to start acting like it's a great problem rather than like it's a victory. It's mm-hmm. silly. I I I'm happy that we found a good starting lineup and that it's working because I'm a Kentucky fan much, much bigger than I am a Severe Wheeler fan. At the same time, though, I like Severe Wheeler, and I like when our good players play basketball, and I think our good player play, our good players should be cherished and should be playing basketball. So whatever, but that's enough of that. It's just people, it's, it's, it's annoying. At, at the end of the day, it's annoying, and it's, it creates a very toxic environment. You uh, did bring up Chris Livingston only playing 13 minutes. Um, I forgot what medium I talked about this. I don't know if it was like a different podcast, someone else's podcast or like an article or just on Twitter or group chat. But I had brought up before this last game that Chris Livingston, um, I think should play the four. I think he'd be great as a stretch four. And I think that Cal would like to play him at the four, but I also think Cal recruited him as a three because you go back over the summer and then Chris Livingston was saying like, oh yeah, I'm trying to, I'm like watching Devin Booker film. I'm, I'm watching Herman <laughs> Diallo film. I'm like, those guys play shooting guard. I think Chris really wants to play shooting guard, small forward, um, and he's not playing shooting guard. So I think they're kind of compromising at that three spot right now. And I, I just kind of said, I was like, Chris, if you want to play the three, you can play the three. All right. If you got recruited to play the three and you only want to play the three and you don't want to play the four, you don't want to be viewed as a power forward, then Cal's a player's first coach he'll make sure you play the three but that might mean you only play 13 minutes because we see how valuable it is to have Kaysen out there we see how valuable it is to have siege out there we see how valuable it is to have reeves out there and now we're still trying to find to give now Saver wheeler bench minutes so if you're trying to play at one of the three guard spots there's not more than 10 to 15 minutes for you chris if you want to start playing 20 to 25 minutes and extend the game you might have to play out of your two to three positions that you like because I don't think Jacob Toppin needs to play 35 minutes a game. I don't no. think we need Lance Ware playing the four. There's a great opportunity for Chris to go and play 10, 15 minutes at the four on top of his 10, 15 minutes at the three. I, I we did. I called it the basketball Benny plus lineup, which is a uh, case in and then uh, Walt or oh my gosh, case and then Frederick and then Reeves, and then Livingston at the four, and then Oscar. And I think Oscar, did he, like, pick up a foul or, like, twist his ankle? or Like, he had to come out for, like, some reason. Oscar? Yeah, we, we put Livingston at the four, and I was like, wow, it's the basketball Benny. Oh, Oscar up. picked up his fourth. And he picked up his fourth, yes. Yeah, so then we put in Lance. Uh, So we we literally did not get to see the lineup for more than, like, uh, it was right after Toppin, I think, tweaked his ankle and had to come out. That's why we put Chris yeah. at the four. So right after that happened, I was like, yeah, we get to watch this lineup. And I think we watched it for one possession. Um, but yeah, I think I think Chris at the four could do a lot because one, you might sacrifice rebounding without Toppin in there. But I don't know. I feel pretty good about Oscar getting every rebound anyways. Um, Oscar gets a lot of double and triple teams. I don't if you want to give Chris Livingston wide open threes, he's made them all year. Please, please double off the four teams love doubling off of Toppin. They're not going to love doubling off of Livingston. Um, and Livingston is so good at like straight line drives to the hoop, taking his guys off the dribble. He can do that much easier against opposing fours. I think it's a win for all parties. Yeah. Uh, I think Chris 
And you're not losing anything defensively because Toppin is not a good, like, he's not a good interior defender. He's a good help side guy. Hmm. But then one, uh, in isolation, he's not a good defender either. Chris is shooting 33% from three. He's nine for 27 on the year. And I will take that over Jacob Toppin, pump faking wide open mid-ranges to settle for a long off-balance two. No matter how many times you make it, not a good shot. And teams will live with that. And there's going to be days where he's going to take a million of them and they're not going to go in because they're, it's like Gonzaga. Like when we were down big towards Gonzaga, Gonzaga was like, dude, take him as many, take as many long fading twos as you want. Yeah. When when Chris is out there and you have Kaysen Wallace, who is a good scorer by himself, you have CJ Frederick on the wing, you have Antonio Reeves on the wing, two great shooters right there. Sorry, I'm Mexican, so if I keep burping, I apologize. Shout out K Taco, elite, one of the best, some of the best Mexican um, in Lexington. Highly recommend it. Uh, as I was saying, and then you get Chris Livingston at the four, who 33% from a stretch four, take it. It's a threat. Mm-hmm. Teams aren't gonna, they don't, they don't want that. They don't, they don't really want to give that open. And and then you add Oscar into that, which need I say more? Like, yeah, dude, that's the sick lineup. That is a sick lineup and then you're allowing a guy like chris livingston who i think isn't really near his ceiling to grow into march by starting him and getting more minutes dude like that's insane and then you can bring Toppin off the bench where he could bring his energy and his athleticism and whatnot and dude i think like that's perfect but it's not going to happen because we know cal perry for all we know cal might start the same line the same starting lineup that he did today because we won uh against vanderbilt and if it does you're going to expect a mean tweet from me uh it's it's just how it is, uh, whatever. Um, but I just think, I think that'd be our best lineup. And I think it's kind of cool that we're seeing our older guys kind of like in terms of severe, kind of take a step side for a freshman to blossom. Because mm-hmm. if things go wrong during the blossoming process, you have one of the greatest passions of all time sitting on your bench to come in who. It's like an insurance your policy. Who's, yeah. Who's a freaking koozie award final. Like that's, that's elite. And then you had Toppin, who, yes, he's not as good as Harvey Wheeler, but he's fine. He's good energy. He's a great bench guy, and he would start at a lot of places. And that's awesome. Like, that's a good problem to have. So I think kind of focusing on that I think, and on, on the growth aspect of these freshmen will do wonders for these teams, and I think it will make the team better and the offense better. But this lineup is – I can't believe I'm saying it, but, like, like Matt Jones was right. Like, it, it's a good lineup, and – it, all in all, like it's it's a fun time. It, it really is a fun time. Yeah, and here here's the thing. When I say I want Chris to play the four, I'm not saying I want him to play power forward. You know, like I don't I don't want him playing like Carl Anthony Towns when he played here at the four, or Julius Randall, or like EJ Montgomery. Like I do exactly what you do, but just do it with three smaller guys on the court. Just like I'm not asking you to change one in. Play. Yeah, like go ahead play. Play like the Devin Booker and Hamadou Diallo highlights you did, but just do it with Kaysen, CJ, and Reeves also on the floor. Like it shouldn't change how you play. That's what you played at Oak Hill. That's what made you a top prospect. Point forward. And the other thing is, like you talked about him growing. Do you think it's fair to say that he's probably not getting drafted as of right now? I'd say he'd probably get like second round looks. Like I think he'd be. I don't, I'm honestly. Of any guy, uh, well, I don't know, but I think Chris Livingston could have a very good NBA career. I think he's very smart. 
He was a very smart high school. But answer your question, second rounder at best right now. Yeah. So right now he's second round at best, which means he's probably in line to either not get substantial NBA minutes or go have to grind out the G League route, or that means he's going to have to come back. Let's say for this hypothetical, he comes back. Next year, you have Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards. CJ's probably going to come back. I don't. I wouldn't rule out Reeves, although I don't think he's going to be here. And you also yeah. have Reed Shepard, who's going to get minutes next year. And you have Aduth Euro who has a lot of potential. That backcourt is loaded. What we don't have for next year is a four, assuming Toppin's probably going to... Aaron Bradshaw, baby. Yeah, like Aaron Bradshaw should be a center, and Toppin's probably going to explore the pro route. I know he has his COVID year, but I just think he'll be done after this year. Um, I'm not sure what Damian Collins does, but uh, and like I don't want to see Lance Ware at the four next year either, <laughs> for, for extended amount of time at least. Chris Livingston, you could be like the perfect plug-in four for next year too. So if you want to talk about like growing into a player that could be really successful at this level, I think now would be a great time because like you said, you have an insurance policy in Jacob Toppin that is a, a solid starter. He, he could be your fourth or fifth best starter. And you plug in a, a guy with a higher ceiling like Livingston, and then next year you could make him a really big part of your offense as like a stretch four. I, I would like to see it. I would too. And – I hope that happens. I think, like, realistically, like, I don't see a way where if Chris comes back, he's on the bench. That's silly. No. Uh, Like, I think Cal would genuinely have to start him at the four. And we've already – Cal's already ex- expressed his desire to do so. That lasted one game. Don't know why it only lasted one game. Should have lasted the rest of the season, but I'm not John Calipari. But you at least know the seed is kind of planted in Cal's head. And Cal's a very stubborn guy. Every college coach is a stubborn guy. I don't like the narrative that, oh, Cal's so stubborn. He's just like everyone else. However, to know that, like, the thought is in his head or it has been in his head once, that's, that's like, the first step to getting this to actually happen. Um, that'd be a great lineup. Like, that'd be a great team. And then you kind of fill the rest of the holes with transfers. And I've seen a lot of people, like, we were talking about a couple episodes ago, like, this team, like, transfers aren't good enough to be here. This isn't that. A, Oscar Sheba is a transfer. B, Antonio Reeves is coming to his own. Severe Wheeler is really good. Um, who else? Damian Mintz was very serviceable. Callan Grady was the best shooter in America. The list goes on and on. We've had some duds, like, whatever. But I, I think next year's Oscar will be very good, especially if, if Chris comes back. Like, I think we're looking at, like, top three seed or top three team uh, preseason. Yeah, I completely agree. Um. Not like I'm ready to move off this team yet. Starting to get fun. We no, gotta, I want to enjoy this team. We got to – I saw this stretch of games. As soon as we beat Tennessee, I'm starting to think ahead. I'm like, all right, Georgia at home, you have to win. Texas A&M, that's going to be a tough one, which it was, but you got to find a way to win that one. At Vanderbilt, for some reason, we always struggle with Vanderbilt. I don't know why, especially when we go there. Isn't there, like, some weird stat that we always go down? Like, we're always losing at halftime against Vanderbilt, and we always win. Um, I think – I think it's when they play us at home, we're always losing at halftime. I feel like that's been the way it was our freshman year. I think it was last year, I want to say. That that probably was our sophomore year. So, yeah. But, uh, but anyways, you got to win at Vanderbilt. If you win at Vanderbilt, that's four wins in a row for number two. They're going to drop because they got smoked, I think, twice this week. Um, but we're going to get a top 10, top 15 Kansas team coming to Rupp Arena. Um, that that's a great time that you could completely solidify yourself in the tournament. 
if you go on and you beat Vanderbilt, that gets you to four in a row. If you take care of Kansas at home, that's five in a row. And it's your second, like really, really big win of the year with at Tennessee being our first one. Now you, you are firmly in the tournament. You got five wins in a row. The team's heated up. It's got two great quality wins. You're, you don't have to worry about, are we a bubble team anymore? This team could really get hot moving forward. And honestly, like, if you look at the rest of our, here are our road games the rest of the way, okay? At Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is one of the worst teams in the SEC. Yeah. At Georgia. We already saw them. McClendo's good. We should beat them, even on the road. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State. There's much more difficult. Um, I, I think they're actually, I think they're like one in five in conference play right now. Yeah, like they we were should, ranked at one point, but they've kind of fallen off a cliff. We should beat them. We play at Florida. Florida's kind of like middle of the pack, uh, bottom of the SEC. That At Florida is always a tough one, but whatever. And then we have at Arkansas, okay? So in terms of our road games, there's one game like I'm genuinely like scared of, which means if you just take care of your home games, it's a very difficult home stretch. You got to play Kansas, got to play Arkansas, got to play Tennessee, and got to play Auburn. But if you just lose one at home, and then let's say you drop at Arkansas, and then – you win the rest of the road games, which really aren't that tough. Like that's only two losses the rest of the way. That's an eight loss team. You're going to be like a five, six seed. You're firmly in the tournament. And if we're only losing two games the rest of the way, this team's going to be hot. They're going to have confidence. And I like our chances rolling into March with that. Like yeah. the, the schedule really works out in our favor. It didn't at first, like at Missouri was a tough one because Missouri was like the hottest team in the country when we played them. Um, at Alabama yeah. was tough because once again Alabama was the hottest team in the country when we played them. Like we just kind of, we just kind of like got screwed there. But moving forward, I mean, I all of our difficult games are at home, and you should yeah. win at home. You shouldn't have multiple home losses at Rupp Arena. You just should. I just I just saw the Arkansas games at nine. I thought we were done with nine p.m. games for the rest. Of the, that sucks. So looking, so Kansas is at eight, Florida's at eight thirty, and Arkansas is at nine. Yeah, I thought I thought. <laughs> those are like straight home games yeah no i thought that was our last i hate the 9 p.m tip-offs at home they're the worst but looking at the reigning schedule sack what do you think we go I, like realistically here's the thing. think here's with the your thing. brain not with your heart i'm gonna i'm gonna give you my heart really quick because this is just what i think all right undefeated um because i think we win out at home i don't think we lose any of the other games the only game i'm really concerned about is at arkansas and guess what I spent hundreds of dollars and I'm going to go drive $10 to Arkansas and 10 hours back to go watch that game. All right. Like damn right. You best believe in my heart. I think we're going to win, but I think we might drop that one. And I think we might drop one at home. So honestly, I think two losses the rest of the way, if I'm just thinking logically, even though I don't want it to happen, because it means I'm going to watch two losses because I'll watch our home games. and I'll watch that at Arkansas one. Um, But I, I, I think two losses, one to two losses the rest of the way. That's very reasonable. I think we'll drop two more. I may two. I think we'll drop three more. I think we. No, I'm an idiot. Uh, we lose two more. We lose at Florida. At I I think we lose at Florida, and then I think we will lose at Arkansas. I think we'll have a dud of a game at Florida, and I think we lose like a heartbreaker in Arkansas. But I think we went out at home. Like, I think Kansas, I think Kansas is mid. Look at Kansas. Every one of the games, they're close. They're finally getting exposed for that. So, if 
they play a close game and they're at we're up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think they'll go away. But Antonio Threes is heating up. You triple Correct. team Oscar and he's still gonna get 17 rebounds. Correct. We found a lineup that's working, that's clicking. The team chemistry appears to be better. We've won three in a row. Should be four in a row. Could be five in a row by the next time we talk next Saturday. Let's hope that it is. But um don't switch up. Let's stick behind these boys. Let let don't let the cats get hot. I've switched up, baby. I'm so back on the Caltrain. <laughs> I'm shameless, but I have switched up. Uh, now I'm telling other people not to switch up. So, hell yeah. You're wearing your don't switch up shirt right now. Yeah, I haven't changed since I got home. I need to. I need a shower. I smell disgusting. But the cats are fun. I'm glad we get to talk about them. I'm glad you guys get to listen to us talk about them. And let's hope that when we're talking next Saturday that we it's five straight wins. We win at Vanderbilt and we beat Kansas at home because – that could really get the cats back on track. Absolutely. And well, we're going to do it. Thank you guys very much for listening. Let's go celebrate this dub tonight. And as always, go cats. Go cats. Just need to clear my mind. Just need.